Welcome to another episode of Wicked Smart. I'm your host, Lucas Bean. My co-host over here, the wonderful Bread, uh, the head of blockchain over at NFT Now. And our special guest of the day is Austin from the Doodles. What's up, man? GM, GM. I'm surprised it's not pronounced Wicked Smart. I was thinking this was going to be like a Boston type <laughs> it of thing. It is. Like the, I'm from New England, so we say Wicked all the time. It's like part of my vernacular. But I have no accent. So like the accent disappeared, and I don't know how that happened, but it's just no accent. <laughs> that <laughs> is hilarious. Right? I know. People wouldn't even know I'm, uh, I'm actually from New England. So they're just like, why do you say Wicked all the time? I'm like, uh, I'm, from, I'm from New England. So what's going on, man? What is this hot dude summer I'm seeing everywhere? Is that something that we all need to know about? Like what's going hot on? Hot dude summer. Yeah. Let's you, get, wait, you, you know what? Know. Pause. I love that. We leave people in suspense real quick. <laughs> Mintify. What's going on, dude? Mintify comes in and gives us like our, our daily market cap and reading real quick. Austin, you don't mind if he like reads off like what's going on in the market overnight. No, you know, it's been a pretty quiet day, so probably not much to talk about. But right? no, go for it. Mintify. Hot dude summer, though. That's what I'm talking about. Mintify, what's up, man? <laughs> Good morning. Uh great to great to be back here. Uh nice to nice to hear your your voice. How, how's my, it going for you? My an, well? my angelic voice. <laughs> it's yeah, good, man. No, it's good. Your wicked smart voice. <laughs> Just trying to uh push the peanut forward as usual, my man. Give us, uh, give us the old update, the market update, yeah. so we can actually, you know what I mean, like hear what's going on. How's, yeah, pe- how's Pepe? How's Pepe doing? Oh, I, I have a little bag of Pepe. I haven't looked at it for probably a week or two. It is what it is. Uh, it'll go up. It'll go down. Um, yeah, I mean, not financial advice. I do hold a bag, so I can talk about it. Um, but not very hopeful because it's, uh, you know, a meme coin. But let's, uh, let's run through this market update. The NFT volumes, Ethereum and Bitcoin up pretty big uh, from yesterday. 31.1 million for Ethereum, up 49%. Bitcoin just below 9.5 million. This is the highest that I've seen it for any single day, up 297% from yesterday. Solana, 1.2 million, down 17%. And Matic, 630K, down 60%. With a highest sale of 90, just, just about 94 ETH for Board Ape, 5063. The top trending by volume, Bored Apes, 46.95, up 0.3%. Azuki, 17.78, really having a a nice time, up another 2%. Mutant Apes, breaking back above 10 ETH, just barely 10.02, also up 0.3%. The top trending by sales, Sybil Samurai, 0.037, up 42%. Biao family, sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, I probably am, 0.039, up 58%, and Extreme Pixels, 0.028, up 17%. The biggest winners, Kataro World at number one, 0.105, up 75%. The Full Send Metacard, 0.39, up 57%, and Loyal FF6000, 0.47, up 27%. And now for a whole bunch of uh, market news. So this is pretty interesting, though, in my opinion. Louis Vuitton announced a limited collection of digital treasure trunks that will sell for 39,000 euros each. It will be you know, a limited supply. I think they said just a few hundred, but that price tag, though. Warner Bros. announced the launch of their 1978 Superman NFT movie bundles. 
similar to, I believe, the Lord of the Rings movie uh, NFTs that they released a few months ago. The OPEPEN set 005 opt-in window closes tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern. Alts by Adidas reveals that Chapter 2 will continue at the end of the month, hinting that Rift Valley Motel coins that they airdropped will be of use. OSF was announced as the Rare Pass airdrop artist for June. Annika Rose partnered with NVAC Collective to release a music video game. Mark Cuban's newest book will release on book.io today at 5 p.m. Eastern. Binance saw nearly $720 million in outflows following the SEC's charges. El Salvador's Volcano Energy gets $1 billion in commitments to build a 241-megawatt solar and wind energy-powered Bitcoin mine. And lastly, the SEC alleges that a whole bunch of tokens are securities. I'm not going to list them all, but a few are Solana, Cardano, Matic, BUSD, BNB, and uh, yeah, as I said, a whole slew of others. That was announced from the Binance lawsuit. And lastly, the market stats. Global crypto market cap, 1092.73 billion. Bitcoin dominance, 47.3%. Open interest, 8.55 billion. And your fear and greed at 44. With Bitcoin, 26,130 up almost 1.4%. Ethereum, 1845, 2.5% up. And the S&P, 4281, 0.2% up. That is all. Thank you very much. It's been too long since we had that report, my man. I really enjoyed that. Although we didn't get any other info on some other topics, but that's okay. We'll we'll, we'll work on that, Mint. If I'm just kidding. Your, your report was amazing. Thanks, man. So... Austin, before we get into like dude, hot dude summer, like we usually like to dig into like who Austin is and like how he came on, you know, the doodles team and like, give us a, give us the, um, 411 on you and like what you did before and how you like evolved into this position at the doodles, if you don't mind. No, for sure. And Lucas, this is fun for me. Cause I feel like we've been in a bunch of spaces together we like have for <laughs> like a ton of space yeah, before i was have. a part of you know the doodles team yep. uh and just like getting my feet wet in in uh web3 so it's a real honor to to be sharing the stage with you but yeah i i guess the short version of it is i really got my my feet wet in crypto uh, back in 2017 when I was working at Amazon Music, uh, wrote a white paper on the implications of blockchain for licensing, which for people that are in the music industry will know is like incredibly uh, fragmented and centralized and no one knows who to get paid and everyone's getting sued. Uh, and so like instantly blockchain made sense to me as a use case for, for licensing. Um, so I was like in that wave and then really came back uh, with the NFT craze, like distinctly remember being holed up during COVID, trying to get like waiting in queue to get like NBA top shot packs um, and failing miserably every time. And um, I got into Doodles was really like my first community that I spent time in the week of Mint. So I didn't Mint, but I got my pickle um, at like, I think day four or five, like immediately after. Um, and then yeah. those early days, we're just jumping in marathon spaces with like <laughs> early, early people like Nitty B and Biggs and 8270 who I see in the audience, like going for, you know, hours and hours at a time as we're watching like new all time high, new all time high, 
um, all these celebrities getting in, the founders were jumping in uh, into the spaces and, you know, it was really euphoric in those, in those early days. And immediately following that was NFT NYC uh, in November, like two years ago. Um, and I got to meet the guys, uh, actually got them into like a heart project party. So I met like Ev and Jordan. Um, and then I was talking to Ev and like showed him my, my pickle, uh, pause. But, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so weird. If you weren't in the NFT space, they'd be like, what, yeah. what are you, yeah. would you show him? Pause, pause is definitely needed there. But yeah, so I showed him my pickle dude and, uh, he was like, oh, you gotta show this guy that. And so he like brings this guy over and this tall, handsome man. Uh, and I show, show him my pickle dude and he starts like freaking out and, uh, was like so excited. He's like, that's one of my favorites in the collection that ended up being burnt toast. Um, and so I, you know, I knew those guys really early on and we would just interact, um, at all the different events, whether it be like South by or Basel throughout the years. Um, and I was doing my own thing at Venice music. I'd been in entertainment for the last eight years, uh, but always stayed in touch. And then when Julian came on board, I had known him from billboard. Um, and we had like talked a few times about me helping out, you know, with some like contracted work while I was still at Venice, uh, if I could help out with the doodle bank or this like council that they were trying to conceptualize. Uh, and then Basel last year, he basically like sat me down at doodle putt and gave me like the full court press pitch. I was just like, why, why I need to join and, and what we could do together. And, um, you know, it's, it's been, I, I joined pretty soon after that. That was in December. I joined middle of January, came down here to Miami where I am now, um, joined for the duplicator launch. And it's a really special thing to join, uh, a team and a brand that you're instantly familiar with and, and something that, you know, personally means so much to me to, to have that now be my job and career, uh, has been really fulfilling. So yeah, I've been on the team since January, leading up BD and strategy, uh, and it's been a been a wild ride so far. That's pretty cool. Where did you move from to Miami? I was in Austin, Texas. Oh, nice. Uh, okay. Know, because the Austin and Austin jokes just uh, weren't weren't hitting, so I decided <laughs> to move to Miami. But <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say your name is Austin, and you lived in Austin. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's. Um, that's really cool, man. And was it a big switch for you to like, like, is Austin much different than Miami? Is it, you know, vice versa? Does it just rain more in Miami? Like what's the difference? Oh my gosh. It rains so much here. I, no one really prepares you for that. Like, I guess <laughs> I should know the literal, like the college team here is the Miami hurricanes. Like if you didn't realize that it rained in Miami, maybe, maybe I'm the problem, but, um, <laughs> it, it, like I lived in Seattle and the rain here is like way worse, like way worse. Um, <laughs> which is super interesting, but I think like Miami, Miami and Austin are, are pretty different. Um, they both have like emerging crypto communities, which is great. And I knew, I knew a, uh, a good amount of people from, from college and from crypto and from venture all in Miami. So that, that was nice to like have a little bit of a community here. Um, but it's, it's a weird place, man. I'm not going to lie. Like it, it's cool. in that like, you have a lot of these like emerging companies, like, Yuga's down here, Pudgy's down here, we're down here. Um, and so it's been great to, you know, have like neighbors that are that are trying to push the space forward. But then like, it's a, like I lived in LA and even like, like Miami, LA pales in comparison to Miami with like the pay to play and the just like gaudiness of it in certain areas. So it's very much like I'm finding my footing of like what areas I want to 
be in versus like what things I don't want to participate in, but it's uh it's got it's got something for every everyone for sure. Yeah, it's interesting. I've uh I've always liked Florida and uh I never never really spent as much time as I wanted to, but I definitely know it rains like every day almost uh because it gets hot and then it rains and it gets hot and then it gets rain and then it rains. Interesting, man. So what's going on with this? First off, I really like your PFP, a huge fan of the doodles, been a huge fan of the doodles since they came out. They were very much a departure from like, you know, NFT projects at the time. You know what I mean? Like with the pastels and the, you know, fun, like characters, like they didn't really copy the meta that was out there at the time. They didn't like have all the exact same traits as all the other, you know, projects. Cause you could like basically build a project and 90% be successful because you use the same traits that everybody's used to. And the pioneering cost of releasing an NFT project is much less because people know 3d glasses. You know what I mean? People know these other types of traits. You guys came up with like all new ones, like the, like the pickle, the cut, the coffee cup head that you're wearing right there, which I didn't know was a coffee cup head until I just looked at it really close. It was like, wait, I love coffee. So that's, that's one of my favorite ones, man. I got in early on the doodles as well. And I can tell you, just all around, it just felt good rocking, rocking with my doodles. You know what I mean? Like the crew was good. The people were good that bought into the doodles. I think it was a little bit more, this is just my opinion, a little more sophisticated people actually held doodles for a longer period of time. I don't know if that you guys actually saw that in the numbers. Yeah. I mean, we, it is really crazy to look at the numbers. Like we, we have one of the most loyal communities, uh, of any community. Uh, if you just look at like average hold time, which is, something that is not surprising me if you spend time day in day out with our community and, and how much they they ride for doodles and see the vision um and then yeah like i think what drew me to doodles initially as a holder was how one like the the team actually had bona fides in the space it's really funny seeing like what's happening with ordinals right now because it it is for those that were there for like the bull run of nfts on ethereum it was very similar of like I don't know if like this is a rug pull. I don't know who to trust. Like, is there a docs team behind this? Um, and so Doodles really like checked a lot of those boxes for me personally early on. Um, and then the IP was just like, it was very clear that it was unlike anything that any of us had ever seen and had a lot of mainstream potential. Like when you can close your eyes and imagine, you know, Doodles in a, in a movie or, you know, something that like kids would enjoy with merchandise, like, it, it had that mainstream broad appeal, both like East and West, uh, that I think a lot of people gravitated towards because they could see the vision instantly from it. And you know, for me, the the coffee is is special. I actually got it um, a few days before I joined the role, and I bought it from my buddy Sam, um, who had actually done some of the Art Basel work with Doodles oh, wow. uh, the first time they were in Basel with Heart Project. So. Sam has been like, he's a friend to doodle as a friend to me personally. And I like having like a bit of provenance, uh, for each of the doodles that I own or like a story behind them. So this one just like, it reminds me of Sam. Uh, and obviously like coffee is, is a big, big thing here at the office. I drink coffee every day. So and try to bring the, bring the energy for the community. So I think it speaks to my, my personality and like what I, what I'm hoping to evoke and, um, yeah, I, I think there's a doodle for, for everyone. And it, what's great is like, you don't have to have a rare to like really vibe. Like I saw Yash was here earlier. I think he just jumped off, but like his his is one of my favorite ones with like the striped sweaters. Um, I love like Kuya Marks with the headband. Like there's, uh, I see light with the, the skull. Like there's so many great traits that I think people can like 
feel like each one of theirs is, you know, a really unique uh, PFP that they they can feel proud to rock on socials every day. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's like I said, it's I think it's one of the more attractive PFPs you can rock for sure. I really like the handkerchief over the face one. I really uh, I had one with a you know headband and a handkerchief, and it was just dope. I really again. I, oh, the I, post-it note. Yeah, I, I miss my doodles. All I'm going to say, I wish I might buy back in. Yeah, Cappy, Cappy has a great post-it note one down there as well with the sky background. Sky is one of like my favorite background trades too. Yeah, it's definitely cool. So when you came onto the doodles, were you expecting that? Or were you just like chilling and all of a sudden you're like going to these events and all of a sudden, bam, they're just like, Hey, you know what? You've done really, really good work for us. How about you join the team full time? Like, was that like a kind of like a dream come true in a way? You're like, Oh my God, I'm like, I'm going to be in web three full time with like literally arguably one of the best top two projects in the space. Like I would say. Yeah, it was, it was certainly not, something that I was looking for. Like, so I left my, my previous role. Like I mentioned, I was at Venice music. I was leading web three and community for them and product before that. I left that last summer, took some time off, came back and was doing consulting um, and, and a bit of uh, like investing and building out content. And really I left that role with the intent of just like doing my own thing, like building my own company, figuring out what that was going to look like. I wasn't exactly sure, but I knew that like every great, product and company has like two things it has like a great idea and, and execution around it and then it has distribution and so yeah you know, not having the idea i really focused on distribution and just like building my own platform that's why i like lean so heavily into content um and so it wasn't ever on the radar that i was going to go work for someone else and it was actually to be candid like something i really struggled with even in the like conversations with Julian and, and Ev and Scott and, and Jordan uh, through the interview process was like, you know, am I, am I ready to, to go back into a company? And the reason I did it with doodles and quite frankly would not have done it with any other company was because, you know, it, I felt one, like a personal responsibility for a brand that has meant so much to me in my web three journey um, to feel that, you know, I can make a positive impact and, you know, with a startup, knowing that every it, effectively like the company grows to the point where like everyone is an owner like you you really do feel that you have a responsibility to to drive the the brand forward so it, it was something that like i came to peace with knowing that like i could have a big impact on on something that has meant so much to me personally um and julian is just like he is an S tier salesman. It's actually absurd. Like <laughs> we'll get in meetings and I'm just like, damn, like this man is just like so polished and and perfect and and how he presents himself and like he really makes you feel that joy and excitement of the vision. And it was just somewhat it really like more than anyone, as much as I love everyone else I work with, I just really felt like I had a lot that I could learn from him. Um he really does feel to me, I I'm I'm gonna gas him up, but like he can he can be like a Bob Iger type in terms of how he's able to just get people from all different walks of life to like really understand a vision and be able to like bring across partnerships. And uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing to witness every day on top of being like a great organizational leader. So very, very happy with the decision I made and, you know, feel like I get to learn from from him and the rest of my teammates every day. Yeah, that's an amazing opportunity too. I mean, if you look up to the person who's like, you know, you're direct report. Like that's the person you need to 
you know, have that energy about like when you're, when your boss is someone you look up to and you like really want to be like that person, that's the perfect situation for mentorship and also getting paid to actually learn how to do your job really, really well. So you're very lucky. A lot of people don't have that experience and it's definitely good that you were vetting them while they were vetting you, you know, like, Hey, does this fit me? Is this guy good enough, you know, to, to teach me or whoever I'm reporting to? So that's pretty amazing, man. And that's good that you actually went through the steps to make sure that that really worked out for you. And, uh, and, and they should impress you every day. Right. <laughs> so a hundred, a hundred percent. And like often it's, it is a, a place of privilege to be able to really go through that vetting process on, on both sides to make sure it's a, a good fit. Um, yeah, I heard something actually earlier today, you know, people, people don't quit jobs, they quit people. And that's something that I think is going to like really stick in my head because at the end of the day, like you spend more time with these people than your family. Um, and you want to know that like, you can trust them, that you can learn from them, um, that they have, you know, your best interests at heart, the best interest of the company at heart and like really believe in a vision. Um, so it has been, I'm very grateful that I was I didn't have to make a decision from a place of desperation, which is not a privilege that a lot of people are afforded, right? Like often it's, you're out of a job and you're like, oh, I need to like put, you know, I need to make sure I can put food on the table and pay my bills and all of that. And and I had to set myself up with the consulting work that I was doing that like, I I didn't need to um, jump into anything. And so I could take my time to make sure, you know, these are, while they're not one way doors, like if you want to lean in, you have to like fully commit and know that this is a place that you see yourself spending, you know, a significant part of your time, uh, in your life. And so that's, that's the objective. Yeah, that makes sense. So with that said, what is your guys, what is like doodles biggest challenge right now? Would you say from your standpoint, because you know, there's been some challenges over like, I would say the last three to six, at least three to six months with just the whole NFT space. What is your guys' biggest challenge right now? What are you focused mainly on? And I'll ask further follow-up questions after that. Yeah, man. I mean, there's, there's so many challenges in, inherent in building a startup, but I think for us, the biggest one is like building a sustainable business model and something that we can really grow the brand uh, to a place where the IP is is loved by not just Web3, but the broader community as well, uh, and, and find a safe onboarding experience into, into what we're doing. You know, we strongly believe that we have an opportunity to create you know, one, of the, one of the most beloved brands in the world um, and create one of the most engaging stories in the world with, with Doodles. Uh, and there's a lot of work that has to go into that. And so to get to that point, we really need to ensure that we're, we're building something sustainably that brings, you know, the community along that they can, they can derive value from, um, and and feel that they're a part of the, part of the conversation. So there's, there's a whole host of it, but, you know, when we think about the like strategic vision of, of where we're trying to go, it is this like transmedia company that is across emerging technology, leveraging emerging technology across animation, merchandising experiences, like that is not a small pie. Like when you typically build product, um, particularly like software, any like PMs would say like you solve one problem and you, and you like make sure that you're the best at solving that. And then you move on to the next thing. You slowly grow the total addressable market. 
um, that is not what you do to create a beloved brand. Like you have to meet people where they are. And so it's not enough to just put something like just create an NFT project or just be on socials. Like we're competing with, we're competing in the attention economy. And so like, it's not that we're competing with pudgies or D gods as much as we're competing with Netflix and Fortnite. Like our responsibility is to show up where people are and, and be in formats that they love um, because we know that the IP is strong enough if we can reach them. So getting, getting that message out to, um, to a broader, broader community, I think is a challenge. Yeah, I can imagine, man. Um, building a brand from scratch, like you guys have so far and don't get me wrong. I'm sure you, you guys already had like an offline audience that, you know, people were following your artists and everybody like that. So there was a little bit of that. And then you guys built a bigger, bigger audience here with the NFTs and the collection and every activation you've done, man, every activation the doodles have done have been like super impressive to me. The only one that competed ever with, with doodles in terms of activations was cool cats. I think New York city, 2022. Um, the rest were just parties in 2021 of, you know, NFT NYC. Usually I didn't really see too many, crazy activations then but man it's really like i said i love seeing like everybody's talking about the doodles like south by southwest your activation there you know in 2022 was huge and then you had the the putt the putt putt stuff and that was that was very very well received you guys are doing experiential stuff like perfectly question is like you say transmedia and that's that's very interesting stuff so what is this this hot dude summer thing. And like, is it, is it the retail and entertainment like experience you guys are launching or is that what the hot dude summer is? So, so it's funny. It's kind of taken on a life of its own. Um, Julian <laughs> and I were in it, which is how these memes work, right? Like yeah. Julian and I were on a spaces last week with digital and beast. Um, but they're beyond the GM, which for those, uh, who don't check it out, it's Fridays, I think at noon Eastern, they do a, a really great job. Uh, and we're grateful that they hosted us for like an hour and a half. Um, and, so, and somehow the conversation got to like, I don't know how, I think beast brought up hot dude summer as like a joke and the entire community has just run with it. And I think, look, like anyone who has spent time building communities knows the importance of creating shared language. Um, and, and really leaning into, you know, these, what feel like inside jokes, but are really how people communicate with one another. So we've just like really seen the community take off with it and have, have tried to just like, uh, show that we are listening and, and also respond to it. So it's nothing more than to say, like, we've got a lot coming this summer. Um, you know, we announced camp, we've got the PPAC drop today. Uh, we've got more coming. People know that the vinyls are coming in, in August. Uh, Burnt Toast teased that. So, and that's kind of just like the tip of the of the spear with everything that we've got coming to market through the rest of the year. So, uh, you know, rightfully so, people know that like Doodles wasn't the best at communicating for a while before we had a product in market um, and really like spent a lot of time effectively like back in stealth mode. Uh, those days are long gone and for anyone that's been paying attention knows that like we're, we're consistently shipping now, uh, and we're going to keep putting things out and, uh, th it's a good time to, to get on board. Yeah. I was going to say there was definitely a, a time there where your, you guys' communication kind of faltered there the last, I can't remember when it was, but it was, it felt like forever ago. It probably was like what, three to four months ago. 
you guys uh, hired someone for comms and stuff like that so they can actually communicate with, uh, you know, holders and, you know, community? Yeah, I have to give a lot of, lot of credit to Bianca. Um, so she came over running uh, marketing for Twitter and has really just like completely like revolutionized how we engage with the community, how we go to market with our projects, like how we run marketing campaigns, um, really making sure that she sets the team internally up for success. I think people see, you know, the, the output, which is these, uh, you know, the, co- the official comms and, and, and these spaces and the sessions and everything. But internally, there's so, so, so much more work that goes on to like make sure that everyone is set up for success, make sure that we're all you know, speaking the same language and that everyone has what they need. Um, so massive, massive credit to her. She came on in February uh, and really has helped like drive us in a positive direction. Yeah, it's pretty cool, man. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Like uh, a lot of people get nervous and start selling off their, their NFTs when the, uh, you know, people in charge are like not communicating correctly across all. And it's like such an easy fix. You know what I mean? Like you guys seem to have fixed it already, which is awesome. But it's, uh, yeah, completely. Yeah. And like, I, I just want to be like very candid uh, about this because before I'm a Doodles employee, like I'm a holder. Yep. And I shared those exact same frustrations as a holder. Uh, so like I completely understand, you know, where, where the, the frustration came from, from the community, because this isn't, we're looking to reinvent what the relationship looks like between a brand IP and, and the community. It's, it's not passive participation. It's not, you know, we're not creating toy story in a vacuum, uh, behind closed doors. And then five years later it comes out. Like that's not what holders signed up for. It's not what we signed up for. It's making sure that like we collectively are, are building in public and that they feel that they have a voice in, in how we are delivering results. So I'm, I'm all for it. And I think we're, we're only going to continue to get better. Um, what's so exciting to me as a team at doodles is that most people, I think the core community knows this, but like we effectively were a two pizza team before I came on in January, which means like we roughly had eight, uh, full-time hires. We're now a team of over 50. I think with contractors, we're close to 60. Um, that's a lot of growth in a very short amount of time. And there's a lot that has to take place to, you know, ensure that we have the right processes for how you scale that. Um, but what's beautiful to me is like, we have only spent less than six months working together, like as this like new team. Um, and really where you start to see the benefits is like in the compounding of work with the same people over time. So it's, yes, like this is great what we've been able to do in six months, but like imagine what this looks like in 12, imagine what this looks like in 18. Like it's really important that we are able to continue to like grow and lean and learn from one another. So I'm, I could not be more ecstatic about, you know, the direction and, and really being able to be in the trenches with my teammates every day. Yeah. it's pretty cool, man. So tell us like, so hot dude summer is just you guys rolling this stuff out. There's no like campaign around this. You're just saying that like, we're, it's just like of things to come. Cause there's so many things to come this summer. There's something in, I'm guessing something in June, something in July, something in August, and you guys are just going to keep rolling things out. Yeah. 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 I I would say like, we will be consistently shipping. I won't put like an exact timeline on when things are coming, but you know, a lot of people go away in the summer, you know, they go, they go to Europe, they have their little Aperol spritzes, they kick their feet up. You know, it's when teams take time off. (laughs) We are not. (laughs) We were, 
yeah, we are not doing that in in the slightest. Um, you know, the the community has been waiting long enough, and we've been really excited about what we've been able to come to market with already to start this year, but it, it really is just the the beginning. So, you know, between the vinyls, between camp, between improvements to the studio beta, um, and, you know, more that I can't talk about right now, it's going to be, it's going to be really exciting. So <clears throat> you can't really tell us what's next. There's something coming, <laughs> but we can't tell you what it is. Are you guys going to have activations at any of the other events? This year? Um, so, you know, camp is going to be where the priority of focus goes in terms of our experiences. With that being said, like, we are very much in favor of showing up in other places. Um, we know that Doodles is an experiential brand that often needs to be, like, experienced in person, felt, touched to, like, really, really see the vision and potential of it. Um, the fortunate thing is we have the doodle bank, which we've completely revitalized this year. I see 8270 in the audience who is the, uh, council chair and is doing a phenomenal job, uh, really driving that forward. But we have a lot of plans to really improve the, uh, the amount of community events that we can do with this bank. So expect whether it is like community funded or doodles itself, like we'll, we'll definitely be, uh, we'll be in a lot of places. So, okay. That makes sense. I like, I like that you guys have a lot of activations going on. It keeps everybody like, you know, stimulated and interested in the project, which we all know keeps the price at, you know, either where it is or makes it go up a little bit. Question is what is, how do I say this? What is the next thing like that you guys are doing for the community that is, do you, are you guys expecting any airdrops, any kind of like a token drop, like these other projects have done? Are you, are you able to talk about stuff like that? Or is that kind of like TBD? No. So I, want, I can't speak to like any sort of like specifics on, on what we're going to be doing on that front. I will say, you know, we're watching everything of, I think we have a responsibility as a brand and to our holders to see how the market is developing um, what does engagement look like across all of Web3, where there are emerging trends, um, what has staying power that we believe in and continue to develop our thesis. Uh, with that being said, like when we do ship, we do consistently look for ways to reward holders. I think the P-Pack was a great example of that. Um, so, you know, that's something that we could have sold, but we really wanted the first pack that we were doing to reward you know, our most loyal holders. And so making sure that that was kind of like our first iteration of like a loyalty program where the uh, specifics of how you gained entry into it were based on, you know, had you basically uh, had you participated in our ecosystem. So had you like used your duplicator, had you opened a gen box? Um, did you own an OG dude? I think things like that are, are really important so that people continue to see the value in, in holding doodles long-term. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. With that said, like, do you, how many pieces, how many NFTs is those doodles actually have out right now? Is it uh, 15? Is it 20,000? I can't, I can't really like duplicators, yeah, versus, so I, you know, I main PFEs. Exact number yeah. because some of them are deflationary. So sure. we, we have the 10,000 doodles, although someone sent a doodle to a burn uh, contract like two weeks ago for like a marketing stunt for a meme coin, which just like, 2023 i don't know how else to describe the meta of that but pretty pretty hilarious um so 
we've got the OG collection. We have the duplicators, um, which are another ten thousand. Like there's one duplicated every every dude. Um, the gen boxes were around twenty five thousand, but they those are being burned constantly, like every day, and for low wearables uh, for the Doodles Two ecosystem. Um, so those those are those are the main ones, and then you know we we have like the frawl pack that's going to be introducing new wearables. All of those individual wearables or NFTs on Flow. You'll also be able to when you create your Doodles Two avatar um, with all of those wearables, you can sell that as one NFT, uh, which is a collection of all of the individual NFTs, which we're we're pretty excited about in this novel. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of the the makeup of the current ecosystem. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I like it, man. The more the merrier. And, you know, I'm, I always think NFT communities are like so much stronger than like, let's just say the strongest influencer that's out there because of the activation you guys have the power of. So talking about community, like, is there any other like partnerships that are coming up that you can actually talk about with, for the community? That's, you know, something that's not as like hush, hush. Is there something exciting that maybe some of the some of the holders can like get behind as well? There are other partnerships. They are not ones that I can talk about. You will not have to wait long. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. Do you do you actually do you guys actually take a a, a, into account thinking that you know NFT projects like because of the activations because people are buying and putting some of their money into an NFT project in general? Would you say that that community is like? is more easily activatable than like somebody who is like an influencer who has like an audience of like a million people. I always think that because you can activate audiences through collections of like NFTs, because they all have something in common, they are all on the same team. You know, I think it's it, it infinitely more activatable compared to, like I said, an audience of like a million people following like an influencer somewhere, because, you know, it seems like 90% of people, who own a doodle or a, you know, not just the original gen one doodles, but the other things, duplicators, whatever it is, is it easy? Do you see it as easier to activate the entire community or close to it compared to like someone just posting on social media that actually has like a fan base? Yeah. I think when you, there's a few angles to go about this. I think that's one, that's like the underlying hypothesis of the entire space. Like, that you can build a sustainable uh, business and with your community in a way that doesn't require tens of millions. Uh, it, it's a, it's an entirely different model. It really speaks more to the like thousand true fans or what we're yeah. seeing. I think Legion updated it to like a hundred true fans. Yeah. Uh, that, that really like speaks to the power of building something with, with the community at, at the heart of it. I also think when you like when you conceptualize or like the mental model of communities is this idea of concentric circles. Um, so like all the way at the outside of the circle are people who are like not in your community. Right. And they make up like the lion's share of people that exist. Then you've got like a much smaller circle and that is like lurkers. So like maybe they're around, maybe they jump into discord, they hang out passively on socials. That's where like most communities outside of NFTs live. Like you're, totally you're true. you would yep. define yourself as a lurker on like most things on Instagram, right? Like you go, you passively consume content, um, but like you really don't go much further than that. 
that is like not a sticky community. Um, it's very, it's very easy to go from like one to the other. Doesn't have a high rate of like upsell into anything. Then you start getting like into the like much smaller concentric circles when you think about people that are actively participating or like power leaders, people that are taking like agency and, and driving things within the community. Um, those are going to be the people that have like the highest affinity for your brand overall. And what's beautiful about NFT, I think because there is this financialization aspect of it, you know, people have put their money up front uh, to effectively participate in these communities. There is that inherent buy-in from the jump. And so people have a vested interest in seeing it be successful. Uh, so yeah, I think the, the entire underlying uh, you know, hypothesis of the space is that you can drive more with less people. You don't need... It doesn't need to be the Spotify model of reaching, you know, tens to hundreds of millions of people in order to make, you know, 0.0005 cents per play. Like that's not, that's not what we're doing here. It, it is very much like targeted towards people that want to lean in. This is a lean in versus a, a passive experience. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I like it, man. I like the way you guys are thinking about this too. Like I said, I can't even imagine your activations are going to get worse or only going to get better too. So the community is going to be like, this is great. Have you guys uh, ever thought about doing like in real life events in multiple other cities on a regular basis, like monthly mixers and stuff like that? Um, one of my companies actually does like monthly mixers in the uh, startup and tech space in like 15 different cities. So I was wondering, like, do you guys ever think about doing stuff like that? Because I can see it's super, it's super effective from uh you know a startup in tech space because you know people are losing their jobs they go to the event they might be able to find another job really quickly or they just mix and mingle with like audiences and things like that that are like type you know what i mean i would think to to make a community like crazy happy the in real life has to be mixed with the twitter spaces and the dms and the discords like i, th I really think giving you know potential holders and, and already holders right now, the ability to like meet up in real life and not have to travel, you know what I mean? Across country or go to just one of the five NFT web three events in the country, like VCon, they can't, maybe they can't afford it or NFT LA, even though I live in LA. Um, you know, you have you guys ever thought of doing that like on a regular basis? Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. I think the, relationships that are fostered in person just are stronger and more sticky. I look at you know, the closest friends I've made in the space. All I were from the doodles community, but it wasn't until we spent time together at South by and NFT NYC that we really like really forged those relationships. Um, and actually one of those people, uh, Kat is our events lead for the community council. And so she's developing right now, what the plan will look like for events, but we do think it is really important to foster that uh, you know sense of belonging with people IRL. So what format that ends up taking, I think it'll be a combination of like things that we internally drive. Uh, you know, we're going to show up in certain places, and so Absolutely. we want the community to have uh, an event uh, there as well. The, the way that like Cat uh, has kind of been pitching it internally is this idea of like TED and TEDx. So you have like TED, which is like the official like doodles event or thing that we have going on. And like the TEDx is like the community driven event that like drafts off of it, which yeah. I think is a super cool idea. Um, so she's currently ideating around that. Uh, 
And then we're also looking at having, I think it's really important that we have a global presence. Um, we've been speaking to a few holders across the world to potentially be brand ambassadors and be able to set up their own events in markets that we can't always get to. So we're definitely going to be looking to to take dudes more on the road, but we also know that like we can't be everywhere all the time. Uh, and so having people on the ground that we can, we can set up for success, whether it be by, you know, delivering brand guidelines, uh, helping them with with any sort of uh, whether it can be like resourcing uh, and and setting them up is is important to us. So yeah, I completely agree. Like we're we're gonna try to do more of that. And then I think like on a like more professional tip, like just for you know what we're doing at Doodles, you know, we're here in we're here in Miami. We're definitely trying to foster relationships with the local Miami community. Um, a few of us, there are four of us here, myself, Bianca, who's our head of brand marketing, Jared, our head of finance and operations, and Julian, um, and me, Bianca, and Jared, like, went to the Overpriced JPEGs event last night here in Wynwood uh, to hear Avery from Vayner speak, uh, and, and Carly's, like, a really close friend. So just, like, being able to build those relationships on the ground, going to events, setting up, we set up, like, a Web3 happy hour. I literally just tweeted out, hey, we're going to be at this bar for, like, two hours like come hang and we had like 40 people roll through so i think more of that stuff um is is also important and you know we'll we'll do that work where where we are locally as well yeah i love that that's the way to do it and uh looking looking at another model you might want to take a look at is a company called startup grind they do a pretty good job of they do a pretty good job of like making you know empowering like hosts and stuff like that of their their uh, events in you know smaller cities and things like that so check out, check out their model and I'm sure you, I'm sure you guys will get it just fine. So very cool. You guys are already like the Kings and Queens of like experiential right now, as far as I'm concerned. So I can't imagine you guys messing that up. <laughs> and that's why I'm so excited about it because like it, for, it really is for um, a lot of people. The first time they fell in love with doodles was South by like they still one Like I was uh, living in Austin at the time and I had friends uh, who like interacted with doodles, didn't know anything about NFTs, but went to the event and still talk about it, like of, of how impactful that moment was. Uh, and I remember the social conversation around South by in particular uh, of, of how people like finally got it, like got the mainstream appeal. And what we're going to be able to do with camp is just elevate that to a completely new level. Like camp, um, for those that don't know, they, they do this across the country with world-class IP. They've, worked with uh, Disney for The Little Mermaid and Encanto. They have one in LA uh, for Nike. Like they, they are like the, the kings and queens, as you called it, Lucas, of driving um, these experiential uh, worlds that people go into, that kids can really experience with their entire families. And so you know, we get to take all the things that we do well, the vision that we have of, of how we really want to bring this into life um, and partner with someone who has done this at a scale that that really looks to expand on on the success that we've already had. So I can't wait for for people to get into the experience um, because I do feel like it is just such a prime opportunity for people to fall in love with the brand and what we're doing. Um, so it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Yeah, I look I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys have uh, definitely lined up. And there's so many there's so many like really good NFT companies down in Miami you're like in the you're definitely in the right part of Florida because again the I think it was the mayor there is like very crypto friendly and stuff so 
I think that's a pretty amazing spot to be. And you guys also have that beautiful blue water. And yeah, it rains, man. It and... rains so much, though. Like, <laughs> this is not a uh, remote. Remote summers are definitely a thing. Like I've I've heard from multiple people across <laughs> entertainment that people just get out of here like around end of May, early June because it's they raining. Yep. You can count on it raining like every single day. And then after it's just like the most humid place that you've ever been. Um, literally got caught in a monsoon this morning. So it is, uh, I'm watching video, dude. Wild. I'm watching video of it. So I know people in Miami and I'm watching on Instagram. Like they're like, it's a deluge. It's like crazy flooding right here. And I'm like, Oh, oh my, my God. So yeah, I was going to say they do reverse. They do reverse. Um, you know, basically, you know how the snowbirds go down from like new England or cold areas and they go down to like Florida for the winter. It's the, re- re- the reverse. You like, you go up to like new England or somewhere else where it's a little bit cooler, not as humid, for the summer and when the summer's over you come back down to florida and spend the winter there so it's basically you get the best of both worlds warm weather no matter what so it's so funny because like i didn't so like last summer i was kind of bouncing around um i was at home in rochester and oh you're from rochester i didn't know that that's pretty cool we've got some weird rochester connections at doodle so like (laughs) i'm from rochester new york um, Joe, our head of product management, is from Rochester. We literally grew up like ten minutes away from each other. And then Matt Medved, who is uh, you know a close yeah. friend of of Doodles and uh, co-founder of NFT Now, is also from Rochester. And then our head of front end engineering went to RIT in Rochester. So wow. there's just like small world. What's in the five eight five water about Doodles and in, in Rochester? But uh, there are way too many connections. <laughs> Brett, Brett, uh, Brett up here is from uh, upstate New York, also. So what's up? Yeah, grew, yeah, just outside Albany, man. I'm very familiar with Rochester. Matt oh, and I have yeah. actually talked about it a bunch of times. Nice. Small I world, man. I haven't been to Albany since I was a kid, but uh, I, the only thing I think of every time I think of Albany is the egg. I always think of the bulldog oh, sitting yeah. on top of that building. The, is that dog still on top of that building as you drive through? Yeah, man. Still <laughs> up there. It's been a while, though. It's been a while. I used to go up to Syracuse to watch like uh, unlimited hydroplanes race when I was a kid with my father and stuff. Oh, no way. Yeah. Lake Onondaga, Syracuse. So Lake Onondaga. Oh yeah. I'm familiar. Syracuse Polluted like as hell growing up. That's so funny. Yeah. You can't even swim in that lake. They, uh, they basically say that it's like so toxic that you can't first, you can't eat the fish out of that lake. And then you can't, if you go swimming, you could actually get really sick or something like that. So stay away from come me. on down to Western New York, everyone. <laughs> the lakes are toxic. Winters are freezing. <laughs> Right. That's awesome. So you, uh, you started at doodles in January and it sounds like you, um, you kind of hit the ground running here. What, can you tell me what you were working on? Like just prior to this, you were said you were consulting, like what were you consulting on? Yeah. Yeah. So I was working, uh, a host of different projects, was doing some consulting work for Andreessen. Um, they were putting together a DAO to collect like black art. Um, so I was helping them like think through the structure of that and they actually like released it at Basel, which was really fun. Um, and then I was doing some work with Amazon music as they were thinking through web three overall and who to speak with, uh, and how to like enter that space authentically. So they're, they're still like doing some work around it, but, uh, those were kind of like the two main ones and then still continuing to advise, um, Venice music as they were like thinking through their web three and, and broader strategy. So that, that was it on the consulting side. And then, you know, on the content I was doing at a weekly podcast, uh, one big idea. I like it. The first by the season way. Of it. Yeah. I'm a big fan oh, of one you. big idea. I've been listening to it. So 
Thanks so much. Yeah, I literally Bianca today was like, when are you bringing that back? And uh, we're trying to figure out you know, the, the appropriate time to, to reintroduce it. But uh, yeah, that, that's been, that was so much fun. It was an opportunity for me to just like interview a bunch of different people. I also put together, you know, a weekly newsletter for a while, which just like getting your ideas down on paper and actually having to like fully articulate your perspective um, was just a healthy exercise for for me to to figure out like what vision I have of the future and then how I want to participate in that. Sure. So that's something that I actually really want to get back into is just like more long form writing um, and and really being able to to leverage that and accelerate you know that with doodles to speak more about you know what we're what we're planning where we're trying to go. Um, but yeah, that that's kind of what I was doing immediately immediately before this, and now it's just like. I have no time for anything but, but doodles. <laughs> well, you know, try to make some time just because let me let me tell you some stats here and you probably you probably already know what I'm going to say it anyway. You know that uh you'd be in the 99.9 percentile with your podcast as long as you did 21. If you do 20, if you make it past 21 episodes, you basically are in the top podcast of basically all time. The top 0.01% um just by creating 21 audio casts. I did not know that. Yeah. That's actually really, that doesn't surprise me because it really is like, I remember, so before I was doing the pod, I was doing like uh like three times a week spaces where it was kind of like a, it was kind of like the NFT morning show, but it was, it was much more like news focused. And I remember talking to O'Shiny at the time, uh, which like, where has that dude been? We, <laughs> he, we need, he disappeared. He, he came back for a little while. Perfectly. I remember <laughs> when he, he, he disappeared and then he came back and he was like, Hey, I want to start my Twitter account back up guys. And I don't have as many interactions. And it's I'm like, well, you left for like four months, bro. So of course you're not going to get it. You're not going to have anything going on. So he came back and then he, then he just like, yeah, I don't know if he's tweeting. I haven't seen him in any spaces in like a year now. Um, but you know, I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's around somewhere, you know, I'm, he's, he's always into something. That guy's really smart about like categories to focus on like up, up markets, down markets. I'm sure he's doing things just like not in the public eye as much as he was on Twitter. Right? No, totally. But it was, what was so awesome about what he did was like, he gave the community a place to meet every day. Right. Um, it was and like really was like one of the main focus like main voices I feel like in that bull run where you could just count on like the best conversations we're gonna have. And what I really loved about his style was it was very structured. He was very respectful of people's time. You knew that it was gonna be an hour. Um, he was going to like run through questions, bring up multiple people, and you could feel good about like the ROI on that space was gonna be positive, which is not something you can say for for a lot, but. I do remember talking to him when I was starting to do spaces and he was like, yeah, man, like talk to me when you get to like a (laughs) hundred, because if you can get, and then Mr. Beast has said something similar, where it's just like, just put out the content, like get a hundred of these out there and then start to think through like, what is the long-term plan? Like just get your, your at bats in um, because you're going to learn through like so much through the process and so many people just like, give up after a few. So I'm, I'm not that surprised to hear about the, the 20 pods being in that like 0.01% um, because it's a lot, it's a lot harder than people think. It's a lot harder. Yeah. It's not easy to be consistent. There's no question about it. One of the hardest things to do is be consistent. Most people will obviously take the route. That's easy, right? So they'd rather <clears throat> go party on a Friday night, 
then, you know, post an episode. I mean, it doesn't really take much to post an episode either. You don't need a guest to post an episode. You can just literally break it down into if you write a thread or you write a tweet and it like inspires you, you can just like talk about that in your own voice. And then you don't even need to edit it very much if you're actually a decent speaker. I think that's where it comes down to. A lot of people are just like, oh, it takes too much time. Well, the thing is like all you, if you set yourself up for success in terms of like audio casting, you can just push a couple buttons and you're recording. And that's why like, I always like try to get people to do it because I'm like, it's so easy just to have a mic, have all this stuff set up already. And all you do is plug your phone in or plug something in real quick. And then you push record and it's going. I completely agree. And, and one of the biggest pieces of advice I could give to like any content creators, particularly those really in any format is to get the most use out of a single piece of content as possible. So yeah. like one example that someone had brought up to me once was like, they would read, they would write a weekly newsletter, which was uh, effectively them just like taking it. It was kind of like a five bullet Friday Tim Ferriss thing, but they would put the newsletter together. They would send that out um, like through email. They would then just jump up on like YouTube and do a live live stream single camera cut like they do zero editing and they would just like read through it and they'd put that up on socials and then throughout the week they would take the newsletter and like cut it up into different pieces to be able to use it across all the different formats i think it really is about like this is why i love content so much and especially spaces that are recorded because they create leverage for you as a just as an individual like I'm totally down to jump on spaces and, and write and do things that I know can live on without me having to be present because they're just a multiplier on labor. Um, so that is as much as you can like increase that multiplier by cutting it up in a million different ways, putting it on different, different platforms, reaching new audiences. Like it just creates so much leverage. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. I'd say content is the new natural search or SEO as some people know it. I definitely think that's, that is clutch. And I always think basically social in general, or just creating content in general is just create every time you create a new piece of content, whether it's a tweet or an Instagram post or whatever it is, it's another doorway back to the experience you're creating of yourself, of your business you're building. And the more doorways that are out there, the more ways you can actually have people come and find you. So it's always an anchor point back to the main cause, which is doodles, Austin, you know, the Austin experience over here in a way. So if you have a thousand pieces of content, you have a thousand, you know, it's a thousand chances of people to discover you. And if you only have like five pieces of content, that's only five chances, five doorways to, to like lead back to you. So yeah, keep creating content. Be careful of making shitty content though, too, because <laughs> you'll lose, no, you'll lose sure. a lot of users. You, there should be a minimum viable, should be minimum viable content, right? This is what I absolutely need to go live and just keep it simple, like crazy simple. Like if you're going to build, um, I'm going to do an audio cast. Like I was saying, like have your stuff all set up and just be able to press record and start talking. And the same thing with video, yeah, have your stuff set up and push record. Go ahead. Sorry. No, it's a really, that's a really good mental model, minimum viable content, because I think often too many people get caught up in trying to make it perfect which like perfect what is it perfect is the enemy of greater whatever that expression is like it really is about getting as much high quality not highest quality but high quality content out there um because a lot of people will, will just like spin their wheels i think it's really interesting because when you look at and there are different stakes involved but like most 
I think the the move for like a lot of venture capitalists that are trying to be thought leaders is you'll see them post like really deep expo like essays on their perspective on a certain market or something like that. And maybe they put it out like twice a year and you don't hear from them. Right. And I think that that, that is so misguided. I totally agree uh, by the and, way. I totally agree. <laughs> yeah. And it's like that you read the pieces and you're like, Oh, like if you remember to read them, if they're still like, you know, grabbing your attention and you're like, Oh, this is like really interesting. But at the same time, you know, it's not, it's not the, I just don't think it is the frequency that is going to drive, you know, building, building actual awareness to your ideas. Right. I agree. I'm a huge fan of consistency and like putting out smaller digestible pieces. I know people that literally wrote, wrote like books, you know what I mean? It's like, they're like college theses and stuff. I'm like, guys, Oh my God, just make the simplify this stuff. Cause who are you writing for the five people that might read this? Or do you want to actually write it for a thousand people that's following you, you know, like write it so that write. I always think write it in like bullets or points or a list or just make it always write in threads. I always think in, I always think in threads if I'm going to write something and make that message like super, super simple so that I can actually, yeah, I don't know. That's how I do it. At least I take my content and dumb it way down. And then if I want to like make it bigger, I put a little paragraph below the point. People can just skim the article if they want to for the list, or they can actually read the entire thing and see what I actually was saying. There's something to be said for respecting the time of the audience. Yeah. Like often when you read these long pieces of content, it's it comes from a place of like it, it just it doesn't show enough thought to the time of others and and ultimately like w- what is going to be digestible. Um, so yeah, I, I completely agree. Like there are very few, there are very few times that I'll like go and read like a full like essay at this point. Like, and honestly, the ones that I do are the ones that have like proven out over time that they're hard IOI. So like whether it's Ben Thompson's Stratechery or if it's like, uh, was, uh, McCormick's, uh, not boring. Like those are worthwhile to read. Like you, you come out 20 minutes later and you're just like, oh, okay. Like that was worth it. Like I, I can deal, I can deal with that. But often it's just like, there's a lot of fluff that doesn't need to be in there. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot of, anyway. Yeah. It's just like, Hey, read my, read my light paper. I'm like, uh, no, I'm not going to do that. No, give me the, give me the, give me the 30 second or less like pitch of what it is. If you can't put in like three or four bullets of like what you guys are doing, I just don't, I can't right now. Nick Young, you got your hand up. What's up, Nick? What's up guys? Happy to see that this, uh, this space kicked off. Yep. Thanks to Nick, me and Austin connected and we're doing this audio cast. So again, thanks Nick. Thanks Austin. You guys rock Nick. What's up, man? Yeah, no, I just wanted to say like you're talking about, you know, people who they release like two pieces of content a year, but, um, anybody who's like worked in sales before knows you got to have like seven to eight touches before you even get a conversion. So yeah, if you're, if you're only releasing two pieces of content a year, you know, like it's going to take you four years to convert somebody, you know, to like become a follower or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Knowing, knowing that number. And by the way, it's seven to 14 touches before they actually convert as somebody uh, that, you know, eventually sales, they take some kind of action. It's interesting because that's, that's what kind of campaigns you kind of should build like drip campaigns to make sure that they, you trigger different feelings in someone as they go through a marketing experience and they, you know, 
you'll know by the seventh or, or, you know, between seven and 14, whether or not that person's going to convert or they're going to unsubscribe either way you win. That's less people, you know, that are less people to qualify or unqualify that are just reading your email just to read it and they don't really care. So there's no question about it. That's the number you should be shooting for. That's, that's definitely an analytic that everybody knows is like seven to 14. Um, that's definitely cool though. It shows you like when you give up after like two or three attempts, like, consistency and persistence like pays off. So in sales and business development, I'm sure, you know, Austin knows this, you know, partner building partnerships and things like that. You gotta, gotta stay really, really focused on the the prize and, you know, don't take no as personal. Like they don't want to do business with you. They just can't do business for like all sorts of reasons. And sometimes you just don't know what the reasons are. You just move on and you know, it's no, it's not turn the no into not now you know, reframe it so you can actually come back and not feel bad about reaching out to them, you know? Yeah, for sure. Good I time. do that all the time, you know, in my practice. So I believe it, dude. Have, yeah. I'll have like converse. I'll have like just a brief conversation with somebody, uh, where we just kind of like have an intro and then maybe I don't hear from them for a little bit. I'll reach out like later and then, yeah, I don't actually convert until like, you know, five, like at least five conversations, you know? Yeah. And that's fair. Yeah. That's fair enough. You know, people don't, not everybody's going to be your customer, but the more you stay in contact with them, the more they'll feed you new customers. So that's also another thing we, we should keep in mind when we're actually, you know, prospecting. You might not get that person, but you actually might get that person's friend or two friends or whatever. And they're like, hey, you know what? This is a perfect fit for them. So never burn a bridge also in the space when it comes to like, you know, if someone doesn't want to work with you, never go, Oh, F that person. Like I'm never talking to them again. Like that's short-sighted. Just know that, you know, one day down the road, five years from now, you might actually rely on that person for something that you didn't expect. And guess what? Their experience with you five years earlier will dictate how that relationship goes. So make sure you uh, focus on the right stuff, guys. So Austin, are you going to be, are you going to stay, um, building that, you know, that brand you're building on the side? I think you should keep doing your side hustle no matter what. I think diversification of like, you know, income is like such a critical thing when you're building, you know, building your personal brand or person, I would say personal experiment. I always call it my experiment. I'm experimenting with building it as well right now as I run a company. So is that what you plan on doing to still keep building, building? Um, your, you know, your, your audio cast. Cause I mean, I see some episodes here that are like eight, nine minutes long. I mean, I'm sure you could pull that off and like one night you could like batch create a bunch of ideas that, you know, were tweets and start creating content and keep, keep that train going, scheduling tweets, you know, scheduling podcasts out at least for a while. Yeah. I don't know. Like, it's just to be, to be honest, like the, the, there's just like, if prioritization right now, there just like isn't time for me to like put any energy into it. Absolutely. Um, I get it. I, I do want, and I think part of like scratching that itch and also it being a positive benefit to the community is like jumping on spaces like this. I ideally would find a format um, in which it was like consistent for me to jump on. You could speak more to like, and I've been exploring those opportunities, like more of an all in style where like I can just come on and speak about, you know, what's in the news that week and, and have a perspective. Um, cause I do, I do inherently see a lot of value in that. It's just about finding the, the right opportunity. Cause it's a lot of work. Like the, you know, the interviews, trust me, dude, I know like, you're, yeah, pre you're preaching to the choir. Know. I put in 6,000 hours on Twitter spaces. So 
I can yeah, tell you, it's yeah. a lot of work. <laughs> it's not just like what people see, right? It's like the preparation before that. Yeah. It's if you're doing, you know, I was doing the podcast. It's working with like a production team um, and actually like splicing up the video and the clips uh, and wanting to support that content on socials. Like it, it, it definitely can start if you want to do it well and start to take up a lot of time. Um, so I just want to be intentional uh, when when I do decide to do it. I think this is like a good happy medium right now to just like be able to to get in front of the community more um to be able to share my thoughts on a more consistent basis uh but it's definitely something that i have like in the back of my head like literally uh bianca brought it up to me this morning so it's like it's definitely top of mind because i i think it's valuable quite frankly i think that there is an inherent value in the platforms of the doodles team growing to the benefit of the community because it ultimately means more people can hear about what we're doing. So I see the value in it and, and want to continue to, to grow it in a positive direction. What the tactics look like of how that gets to the, that point, I think are just like a continued iteration. Yeah, I love it, what you just said there too. Every Doodle team member could actually start creating, you know, their own type of content, being on shows. And I saw you guys are like, you know, you guys are splitting your, your uh, time across different audio casts and stuff like that. That is really smart because when you guys do build your own content out, your individual contributors all lead back to that team and it drives just more eyeballs to doodles as far as I'm concerned. So I actually see it as a, a net positive to always be creating content, especially wherever you go. Cause let's say you leave doodles, you know, you bring your personal brand with you no matter what. And that always goes with you. But it also leverages and be able and it's able to build <clears throat> earn media for doodles while you're there. So I actually see it as a as a win win situation for sure. No, a hundred percent. And at the end of the day, like if you're on Twitter, if you're putting tweets out, like if you're engaging with content, like you are a content creator, whether you want to create it as a profession or monetize it or anything of the like. Like everyone in this audience should know that like your platform is power. Um, in terms of how you're able to get your messaging out. And so actually being able to think through that intentionally and explicitly and not just like, you know, jumping on and, and shooting the shit and just like tweeting out, you know, your diary, um, but being, <laughs> being thoughtful in it is, is it, it's a, honestly like a professional skill. It totally um, is. I think everyone should be thinking about that uh, and, and really like not having to be, this was like why I started doing it to begin with is like, you can take your destiny into your own hands a bit. Like you don't have to be reliant on third parties, like create your own distribution, create your own, like a direct to community interaction. Um, and then, you know, when you do have something that you want to do, like you've built up trust with, with that community, you've shown up in the right ways um, and can deliver for them. So yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. Yeah, I agree. That's pretty awesome, man. So yeah, man, I guess that's it. I, I, I wanted to make sure I understood what you're coming from. I know this was a new gig or at least semi new gig for you, although it probably feels like you've been working there for like two years by now, because I know how it feels to like just be over inundated. Oh my job. gosh. It's probably yeah. crazy, right? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I think I'm starting to get some gray hairs. It's like, uh, <laughs> it's, dude, if you're not getting gray hairs, if you're not getting gray hairs, you're not, you're doing something wrong for sure. But it should be that way, right? You should be so in that world like when you're done work that day you're just like ready to like pass right out you know what i mean like you just it's it's a tough job learning it just really is at the end of the day that's why most people don't do it they don't keep learning because it's exhausting it's painful it's hard but you know you're at least you're with like one of the top two teams in the space so awesome and 
I very much appreciate you coming on today, man. And I, I definitely want to respect your time. Make sure that you have some, you know, obviously some time to get back to your job and like grind it out. But uh, man, it's been an absolute pleasure. So does anybody have any questions real quick before we, uh, you know, end the space? I want to make sure that we got some, let's see what we got here real quick. Nope. Austin is the best. Austin is dope. Austin is like the best guy in the world. We really love Austin. All right, dude. Like, uh, it looks like you are beloved in the community as well. So that's a win. There's no questions. They just, they know already what you're doing. So that's pretty amazing. I've never had it. So there was no questions. So you guys are obviously doing something right. Well, the beautiful thing, I mean, it's very much appreciated. And Lucas can't thank you enough for you know allowing me to, to come up here. And it was really fun to not only speak to doodles, but just, you know, broadly uh, about my experience and just some lessons within Web3. So I really enjoyed that. We'll have to do it again. And yeah, I think the doodles know also like anytime they have a question, they know where to find me. So that's my awesome. DMs and Discord are always, always flooded and really, really appreciate all of them for, for jumping in here. Yeah. You're pretty great, man. You're de- you definitely seem like an amazing community member and beloved. So you're obviously doing, like I said, doing something right. And I'd love to have you back on in like a couple of weeks, maybe a month and we can do like a video podcast because I'm starting, I'm getting Let's deep into it. that. Yeah. I would really like that. And I've already seen some of yours. So I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. He's he's already done video. I thought it was going to be a that tough learning perfect. curve. <laughs> In a month, I'll actually, I'll be back in Austin for a little bit. So I'll have my full like video set up and everything. Oh, nice. So we can, we can, we can do it. Yeah. Sounds good, man. I have my stuff, my setup literally just got fully done like literally yesterday. So I'm ready to rock when you are. So we'll, I'll be in your DMs. Don't worry about it. <laughs> before you, before you wrap it up, I got one question, just a oh, fun yeah. little question. Sure. Austin, since you got the coffee head doodle there, how do you take your coffee? Ooh, good question. That's a great, that is a great question. Um, Nick primarily black but i have been starting to like do more lattes and also i mean not coffee but i've also been doing like matcha lattes uh but traditionally it's like just give me an americano or like just a drip and i'm good to go Oof. nice i'm nice. a i'm a big fan of pour over french presses stuff like that boom there we go but I, I i really do i have to admit i'm a big flat white guy i really want like six shot flat white and Fancy. just let's go Probably too much caffeine. <laughs> no such thing. <laughs> I think there is, my man. With that said, thanks again, Austin. Thanks again, Brad Mintify. Great update today. And again, check out Mintify if you have a chance. They're a really good NFT, basically NFT uh, platform. You can actually look at all sorts of marketing analytics and also like basically market analytics. So you can actually determine whether or not you actually want to invest in something. Again, they're not a paid partnership. This is not a paid promo. They just come up and give us like the, the 411 on the market. So I appreciate that Mintify. And uh, with that said, see you guys when I see you next. All right. Peace out.